This summer we've been considering the, the Psalms and looking through various ones. Uh, there's 150, so we're not looking at each one individually, but we're trying to give you a sense of, of the categories of the Psalms so you can understand kind of the book as a whole. In May we began with Psalm 1, which is a, a description of the, of the godly man and how he flourishes. And so there's a lot of songs about that. Is what does it mean to live a flourishing life under God? And so that's what we looked at in May. And then Psalm 2 turns to a different, in a different direction. It looks at the king and the kingdom, God's big work in the world. And there's a lot of songs about that. And then we turned in July, which we're still considering, is what do we do when we're really struggling? What do we do when we're having significant issues and problems? And there's a lot of psalms about that. The psalmists are people who struggle. And that's why I've said is the, the godly person is not one who does not struggle, but one who takes those struggles and resolves them before the Lord. And so uh, that's what we're continuing to look at. And we looked at how, what do we do when we are filled with anxiety? What do we do when we're filled with grief? What do we do when we can see no light or feel like the darkness is all around us? And today we're going we're gonna to look at what do we do when we are perplexed? That is perplexed. In other words, we don't know what to do. We are unsure of how to act because things feel overwhelming. And Psalm 25 gives us guidance in that, and so we're going to turn to Psalm 25 today. So let's give attention to God's holy word. Psalm 25 of David. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. This is God's word. Let's pray. O Lord, our God in heaven, we give you thanks and praise that you, though the mighty God, infinitely glorious, totally sufficient, and of yourself, have shown to display your goodness by reaching out to us human beings. You've made us in such a way that we can know you, that we can understand you, that we can speak, that we can think. And you have given us your word to be a light, to teach us in our way. And so, Lord, as we give us attention to it, I pray that you would bless each person who has come here this day. 
to hear that word, that you, they would hear your voice and that they would hear your guidance and that they would go unto you seeking from you the things that they need. Oh Lord, they are, that we are all in need of your help. We are in need of your strength. We are in need of your guidance. We pray, O oh Lord, today for those who cannot be with us, many of whom are, some of whom are sick, some of whom are traveling. We pray that you would bless them, bring them back safely to us. We thank you, those visiting with us today, uh, for the opportunity we have to know them. For, for those who visited with us over this summer, we pray you would bless our, our time together here today. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to each person, that you would honor and bless their coming here to hear your word, and that you would use me as your vessel to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. What do we do when we don't know what to do? When we're perplexed? Now, generally, there's two reasons why we get perplexed. The first is that some crisis comes upon us, and we're not sure how to handle it. So, for example, a friend of mine who told me I could use this example found himself perplexed and in a crisis this week. He works at NASCAR Speed Park, and he had been working in the kitchen uh, for, for many for, for a long time, this summer and the past summer. And then all of a sudden, they put him in the arcade, alone. And he didn't know what to do. He was unsure of everything he was doing. And there was one ride that was the one game that was the most popular. And there was a big line for this, for this, uh, this game. And then it broke. And it wouldn't play. And he had no idea how to fix it. No idea what to do to even get it fixed. And there was a, a little boy in the front... And he was crying because he wasn't going to be able to go on this game. And so this, this, my friend's anxiety went up and he didn't know what to do. That's perplexity, right? That is a per- when you're perplexed. You have no idea what to do. Now, sometimes that, that was a relatively easy one. He continued to work in the arcade and he kind of figured it out throughout the rest of the week. But sometimes these things are a lot bigger when we deal with significant health problems. Like a friend of mine who's... who's um, Son found out he had a heart problem that was so bad that he had to have a heart transplant at, in, the, in, in his early 20s. And that's still kind of working through that right now. That's a big issue. Big financial setbacks. Or maybe there are crises in the world, like when COVID first hit, or when we had recession. We're perplexed. We're not sure what to do. And so the, that's the first type of perplexity. The second type is a choice that is going to affect our future in a significant way. And it can be very difficult because we know that the consequences of our decision are great. And so I remember, for example, counseling with a young man, a young woman many years ago, and they were considering whether or not they wanted to get married. They hadn't gotten engaged, but they wanted to talk it, talk it through. Well, the, the woman came to the conclusion that she did not want to get married to this man, and so she was, in, she was perplexed because she wasn't sure that that was the right decision because he had many good qualities. She was trying to weigh the options, and it wasn't like a slam dunk either way. It was difficult. And also then how to deal with this young man who she was, who she was dating. That's perplexity is how do we deal with that. And so all things like that, for example, when we're dealing with jobs, when we're dealing with spouses, or choosing a spouse, or uh, considering our, both whether to have children, how many children to have, um, and then our children's future, the location, where we're going to live, 
the church we're going to be a part of. These are hard decisions, and especially when they come on and come together, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and perplexed. And so just to, we can just get paralyzed and not make a decision and just rest there, and we don't know what to do. But this passage gives us a different option. It gives us a different way of dealing with our perplexity. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. And it's really about three things. One is presenting our perplexity to the Lord, seeking for help in our perplexity. And then thirdly, how this resolves our perplexity as we go before the Lord. And so uh, if you have your bulletin there, there's a little outline there. If you want to use that, there's some blanks that we'll fill in as we, as we go through the message. And we'll be talking about how do we resolve our perplexity. Now, as we go to this psalm, we see it, it, it might be easy to miss the obvious point. Is what is the psalmist David doing in the midst of his perplexity? He is going to the Lord. And you know, when we're perplexed, a lot of times we just have a hard time thinking of what to do because our anxiety is up and our brain's shutting down and we're just unsure. And sometimes it's like we don't have a resource. But what this psalm teaches us is that we have a resource, that we can take the things we're struggling with and we can present them before the all-knowing and all-wise God. And that really is the whole point of this series that I'm going through in July is that when we're struggling with things, whether it's anxiety or whether it's seeing, feeling like we're just in darkness or feeling like we're lonely or feeling or sadness over what we've lost or perplexity, that we don't just have to let it sit here. Heaven is open and we can go to the Lord and that's what we should do because we're not meant to resolve the big issues of life in ourselves. We're meant to do that before the Lord. We're made for Him and to live and exist in Him. And that's what the Psalms teach us. And so one of the things, though, is that we not only should ask the Lord for help, but we should present to Him those things that make the situation perplexing. It may seem like we should not do this because the Lord does, already knows, right? But what we learn is that God wants to hear from us what we're seeing. And sometimes we don't want to say that because sometimes those things we're seeing feel wrong. But the Lord says, come to me as you are, and I will accept you. So consider how the psalmist deals with it. He deals with five different things here. First is the issue of shame. One of the problems that may make us perplexed is that if we do the wrong thing, then we will be put to shame. So he says, do not let me be put to shame. He's concerned about other people seeing that he's done the wrong thing. Now, to, to under, sometimes shame is a big factor in our lives. What people think and how they react to us is a huge factor. And I've got, I, I, a few months ago, we have, I had, saw this like perfectly clear before my eyes. Because every month, at the end of the month, we pray for, uh, for those who've had birthdays and anniversaries that month. And so one young man, super excited about being prayed for, shot up when I said, everybody stand up who we're going to pray for. But nobody else stood up. And so this excited young man looked around and started going like this, slowly sitting down. And then I said, hey, everybody, this young man stood up. We're just wanting to pray for you. 
You know, stand up. And so then a whole bunch of people stood up who had been had felt ashamed to stand up. And now they felt ashamed because I had said, you should be standing up, right? It's all there. And so that's a big part of what we're concerned about. We may not realize it, but it's the truth. Secondly, we're concerned that other people, what other people might do to us. Enemies. We are concerned about enemies. Look at 2B. He says, do not let my enemies triumph over me. He, he tells the Lord, see how numerous are my enemies. Look at all these people against me and how fiercely they hate me. And so one of the, one of the realities is that we, sometimes we have difficulty making a decision because we fear what other people might do to us. And that's, that can be a real issue. So as you get involved with more people, there's going to be opposition. It's, it's part of life. And so we're concerned of how they might take advantage of us or, or use that against us. So it's difficult to make a decision. But, you know, the problems are not only out there that we're concerned about. There's also problems in here. So the third thing that he presents before the Lord is his sins. The, our own failings and our wrongs, our sins. So notice as he speaks to the Lord about his perplexity, he goes to the Lord with the fact that he hasn't always done what the Lord has told him to do. Verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. And then in verse 11, he says, For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great <laughs> that he's done a lot of wrong things. And so that also can make us fear that things aren't going to turn out right or the Lord is against us and, and so on. So that's the third issue. The fourth issue is loneliness. And he just uses this in one word in verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely. So a lot of times when we have to make a decision, it rests on us. We have to make the decision. It can feel very lonely. And so at that time, we present to the Lord, Lord, I'm feeling like I have no support here. I'm feeling like no one's with me. I'm lonely. And you'll see in the Psalms, they do that constantly. And then the fifth thing is just the general amount of problems he has. If you look at verse 17 and 18, you can see he's got problems and struggles all around him. Relieve the troubles of my heart. Free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. And so you see that the Psalms teach us that when we're struggling with things, we should be honest about what we're struggling with. When we're struggling with people, we should tell the Lord about it. We're struggling with problems, we should tell the Lord about it. We're struggling with decisions, we should tell the Lord about us. We need to let our struggles drive us to God. <laughs> so it's an opportunity to connect with Him and to find the resources and help that we need in Him that will increase our faith. And it's a truly amazing thing that the God who made the universe, who finally tuned it so life can exist, formed this planet and its beauty so that we can live here, and enjoy it, and not just live, barely live, but enjoy an abundance of good things, has said, I want you to come talk to me. And he's shown that above all by sending his son, our Lord Jesus, who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, come to the Father through me. This, I'm the only way, he said. To know me is to know the Father. And so we go to the, if we know Jesus Christ, we can go straight to the Father with total confidence, with whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're experiencing. A relationship with God is not something that's far off that we have to go to the bottom of the sea or the ends of the universe. It's right here and available if we want it. We just have to accept that that's what God is offering it to us and say yes to it. That's the amazing thing. And then we need to use it. And we say, I will use it to go to the Lord. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a relationship. 
where we live with the Lord day by day. That's what God is calling us to through this psalm. Now, I think we probably are less likely to present our problems to God. That's something we, we need to learn to do better. When we're struggling, we need to tell Him exactly what we're struggling with. But the second thing we also need to do is something we may know a little better, which is, and maybe a little more obvious when we pray, is that we should ask the Lord for help. And you know, even saying this, you know, you're going to be like, okay, so what a, what a uh, useless sermon. This is so obvious when we're struggling, we ask the Lord with help. But the fact is, we don't do it. You know, and I'm a pastor, and I mean, this is like my thing, right? This is like my job. It's, I live in it. I have time to devote to it. And it's amazing how many things I go into where I'm, I'm concerned about the outcome. That I say, I didn't even pray about that before I came in. I didn't ask the Lord's blessing on that. It's crazy. So I need to hear this. And I, my, I suspect that some of you might need to hear that as well. To seek the Lord, to ask him. And so let's look at the things that the psalmist asks God to do for him. First, he asks him, the Lord, to teach him. Look at verse 4. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. So he says, I don't know what to do. I'm perplexed. Lord, help me. Show me the way. Give me the guidance. Give me the teaching. Give me the wisdom that I need. As James says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives freely to all people without partiality. The Lord is there to guide us. Secondly, he asks the Lord to forgive him. Sometimes when we're perplexed, we fear that the Lord is not for us or does not accept us. Well, we need to go and hear that accepting word again. And we, one way we do that is by confessing our sins and then hearing that the Lord forgives us. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. And again in verse 11, for the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. And this is the promise of all of Scripture, that if we confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. When we sin, we ought not to sin. We should do the right things, right? But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he who is an atonement for our sins, not only for us, but also for the whole world. So we can have confidence as we go to the Lord, but we seek to hear again that accepting word. You are forgiven. You are accepted. And then, thirdly, he asks the Lord to deliver him, to get him out of the troubles that he is experiencing. Verse 16, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. So he wants to enable us. He wants the Lord to get him out of the situation he's in. And that's one thing. It's, again, rather simple. But if we're struggling with things, we can ask the Lord to help us and to remove the obstacles and, and to help us overcome them. And to give us the wisdom and guidance to know what to do in our part. And so on. The Lord can make a way where there is no way. And that's what uh, Peter recognized when he encouraged his, the readers of his letter to say, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you 
and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So he says, to him be the power forever and ever. But then the fourth thing is that he asked the Lord to protect him. One reason we're so concerned about the decisions we have to make, one reason we get perplexed, is because we know there are things in this world that can harm us. And we're concerned that they might do damage to us, whether physical damage or damage to our prosperity. Uh, they can, things that can hurt us and, and, and keep us from the security that we have enjoyed. And so you see that he asks the Lord to protect him. Guard my life, verse 20. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. And so one of the things we need to do is when we fear that things are going to harm us or harm our estate or harm the things that we have or the people we have is to ask the Lord to protect us. And we know that the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. Now what happens when we do all this? It gives us a whole different perspective on the problem. When we get perplexed, generally what we do is we just look at the problem. We just see the problem in front of our face. But it's a whole different thing to see the problem and the God who is above the problem, who is in control of the problem, who can help us with the problem, who can guide us through the problem. That is the perspective we get when we get on in prayer. And so what, what, our, what the prayer does is that it resolves our perplexity not always by immediately telling us exactly the thing we need to do in the moment, but by giving us a whole different view of the problem that gives us a confidence going into the future. And so what does that look like? Well, it means that God has given us promises that give us assurance when we are perplexed that can reduce our anxiety and enable us to engage with the world with greater freedom. For example... God promised, he, he recognized the promise that God would keep them from shame. So in other words, you're not ultimately going to be disgraced. The Lord is going to keep you from that. Listen, no one, verse 3, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. The destiny of those who are, are with the Lord are those who are going to be honored, not disgraced. The Lord will keep them and protect them. God will also guide them in the right paths. God will guide them in the right paths. He'll teach them. Verses 8 through 9. says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And then verse 12 says, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the way they should choose. In other words, the Lord is going to give us guidance. Now, he's going to give us guidance to teach us how to live in every situation. So that in one way, we can say, whatever happens to us doesn't matter too much. Because because in every situation we experience, we have an opportunity to learn the lessons the Lord wants to do. Wants us to learn to help us become the people God has called us to become. So I was talking to a a friend yesterday, and they were saying, well, they're going to feel uncomfortable. And I said, you know what? I mean, maybe I should do something different or whatever. But bottom line is, it's not bad to be uncomfortable. Because you know what being uncomfortable does? 
It enables us to seek the comfort that can be found in the Lord and to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable because this is a world that is full of discomforts. And how are we going to find hope and help in the midst of that except through the Lord? We learn, and the Lord will teach us how to trust Him in the midst of difficulties, how to love Him above everything else, how to hope in Him. That is what the Lord will teach us. But also, the Lord will teach us, will help us also have clarity on the decisions we need to make in his time, in his time. You know, our church has been, has been looking for property for the past, well, almost a couple of years now. And we've come close to actually purchasing property. And so that's a big decision. It's kind of a difficult decision. And we actually came close to purchasing one piece of property twice. And one of the reasons, the first time, what happened was we thought this worked out, but then the, the seller backed out. And so all of a sudden it was clear that is not the property that the Lord has for us. And then the second time we thought we'd come back to it. And then we found out that in the deed, there was a restriction that would not enable us to build a church there and that it could only be changed through great difficulty. And so once again, we said, we didn't know for sure is this going to work. We're going for it. But the Lord made it clear in his own time. What I found when people are trying to make difficult decisions and wondering if the Lord will guide them, it's often that they want the Lord to tell them the clear path long before they arrive at the point where they have to make the decision. And that's generally not the way the Lord does it. Because waiting on the Lord is not a bad thing. And learning to trust Him that you'll be okay with the outcome and waiting for Him is more important to us than us knowing what we need to do later. I had a friend of mine recently who was considering whether or not he should go to an, a different church. He was serving as a pastor there. And he talked about it, and he thought about it, and he thought, and he was weighing all the options and, and concerned about it. Should I leave? Should I go? Should I leave? Should I go? And we're talking about it, talking about it. And then eventually that church said, we're not going to ask you to come. And so that was the end. The Lord did not open the door. And it was very clear at that moment. We spend a lot of time thinking about things that we don't need to think about. Usually the options, a lot of times the options are relatively clear. It's just our own insecurity, our own anxiety as limited human beings who have a limited amount of control. And so what we see, but when we think about it, the Lord will guide us in his time. And it's remarkable to me how often the Lord makes it clear in his own time where he wants us to go. The Lord instructs us in the way. That's He's, we have a resource for guidance. We're not without resource. But then third, God promises to bless them. Why are we so concerned about the decisions that we make? It's often because we fear that we won't be blessed in the future. We fear that we won't prosper. We fear that good things will not come to us. But as the psalmist processes these things before the Lord, he begins to see, no, the outcome's going to be good. Verse 10. He says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. And in verse 13, it says, they, the Lord's people, will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. And so you see, the days of prosperity are ahead. And so when we say, a lot of times we're perplexed because we're putting more weight on our own decisions than we should. We're thinking that our own blessing 
is ultimately determined by the things that we decide. But what the Bible says is that our blessing depends on the Lord and that we as his people have the assurance that we're going to be blessed. In some ways we could say we cannot lose because even if we make the wrong decision, what is ahead for us? Blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. The Lord is going to help us. The Lord is going to guide us. The Lord is going to provide for us. The Lord is going to protect us. The Lord is going to give us good things. What if we do something wrong? Well, with the Lord, there's forgiveness. And then we have a fresh start. And the Lord is going to take care of us. And he says, you can hope in me because I'm going to take care of you. And so it's not that decisions that, that we get perplexed about are then no longer difficult. But we see them in a different way. We see them with the Lord above them and as the Lord surrounding us and with a future that is bright. So often what we do is when we worry about things, we tend to say, we tend to look at the problem and we just extrapolate it out into the future. If I do this, then this and this will happen. This or this will happen. This will happen. And it'll be disaster. Or if my kid does this thing, then this will happen. This will happen. This will happen. And it'll be disaster. But what what we forgot is, as you move along that line, the Lord will be there, and 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 he'll be guiding you, and he'll be helping you, and he'll bring people into your lives that, that will help you, and the lives of your children, and your, chi- and your children's children, as, as we're going to sing here in a moment. Always makes me choked up when I say that line. So, um, the Lord is going to be there for them. He's going to be there for you. You can count on it. So, let me just sum up in conclusion what we, what we said. We're perplexed. We don't know what to do. We're not without resource. We can take these things and bring them before the Lord. So I just want to encourage you. When you find yourself struggling with what to do in the weeks or days to come or the months to come, remember, you don't have to just rest there. Heaven is wide open, and the Lord is there to meet you. He is interested in you. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to seek Him and enjoy Him. And the most important thing is, that to remember in all of these things that you are his children and that the Lord is doing you good and he's going to keep doing you good and that you can have confidence in the Lord. And so that, that out of that struggle that we present before the Lord, we can say exactly what the psalmist says. In you, Lord God, I put my trust. Even when I'm perplexed, I trust in you. I have confidence that you are going to do good with my future. Amen.